I never got tired of walking in that warehouse and I wanted to create that in my home. And so in my mind, we're touring this house and, and I see the bar and I see a Rick house next to it. I'm like, but, but we both don't see that. <laughs> this is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of Bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. So every few years, there's a technology that will revolutionize society. I feel like I've personally grown up with the invention of social media, because if you remember back long enough, you had to have a university email address just to sign up for Facebook. But social media trends, they will shift over time. Twitter came on strong by cramming as much information as possible into 140 characters. Sharing images wasn't anything new, but it was filters. And that's what took Instagram to new heights. But now, short-form video with TikTok is the newest craze. And I've been a pretty big vocal fan of this platform, but I needed to invite Logan and Matt Haynes of Basement Rick House on the show because they are one of my favorite bourbon TikTok accounts. There's no shortage of people doing whiskey reviews or top 10s on TikTok, but Logan and Mac, they will speak to you in this particular podcast audience because they do an amazing job of storytelling and mixing it with bourbon history. We talk about their account and their success, but we also touch on why this is no longer a platform for dancing teenagers. And it's now time that brands should start paying attention to TikTok. But with that, enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. Today's idea comes from some random person I met, and they wanted to know, what are some good gifts to buy someone that are not necessarily bourbon? And this was in the in the vein of like, you know, some paraphernalia things to have in the house. First of all, I'm going to go with uh, coasters. I love a good leather or wood coaster. Not a big fan of the stone coasters. There, you see some of those out there, but I use leather coasters all the time. There's a couple, uh, you know, leather imprinters here in Louisville that I just love, and they do a really, really great job. Glassware obviously is is a good gift to get somebody. Uh, you can never go wrong with getting somebody a kind of a rocks glass or a Glencairn or even a New Orleans glass. If they like the neat glass, you can never go wrong with getting them another glass because every whiskey drinker probably breaks one or two a year. That's not because they've drank too much and they're having trouble to get up and it just falls. It just happens, you know, inevitably you're going to, you're going to break a glass. So uh, glass is always, always a, a good one. Uh, cocktail shakers, you know, cocktail shakers, Getting the right cocktail shaker is actually kind of hard. Like, I'm not a big fan of the traditional metal tins. I like to have, like, a little foam outside of mine because I'm really sensitive to cold. So I think a cocktail shaker is um, is a unique thing to a person, and it's kind of a gift that you know them if you buy the right one. So those are three gifts that I think will always go over well. Of course, books... Uh, magazine subscriptions, becoming a member, a Patreon member of Bourbon Pursuit, of course, that's always a good idea. But in addition to giving you ideas for gifts, I think it's really important to tell you what not to buy. Whiskey stones. I can count on my hand the number of of, uh, bourbon fans or whiskey enthusiasts who like whiskey stones. There's just not that many. Those are usually a gift that somebody buys because their friend or loved one loves whiskey. And as it turns out, the whiskey stones, they get them cold, put them in there, and they really don't do anything. And then some people, like, you bite down on it, you swallow it, you know, chip a tooth. I mean, some weird shit can happen with them. But anyway, so there are some uh, gifts to consider and something to avoid. But that's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you have an idea for Above the Char and you see me just randomly walking on the street, come up to me and let me know. If I like the idea and I remember it, I'll read it on the air. Until next week, cheers. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. 
One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody. We're back with another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Just kidding here today, riding solo, but we get to talk about probably one of my favorite topics because I discovered this app that has kind of taken the nation by storm. Gosh, it had to have been just a month prior to the pandemic because I remember scrolling through my Facebook feed and that's when you would see advertisements for TikTok. And I said, ah, what is this? This has got to be ridiculous. So I'm not going to do it. And then probably a, a few weeks scroll by and I, I keep seeing it. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm going to bite. I'm going to see what this thing's all about. So I go and download it. And at first you see people dancing around and you're like, okay, this is fun. And then I started looking at it and I said, okay, this is great. Like This is a break away from bourbon for me because my, my Twitter feed, my Instagram feed, my Facebook feed, it's all full of bourbon. This is a, this is a, creative relief. So there's no stress. There's nothing that just is all about bourbon. And then of course the tides started shifting and I started making some TikToks that were bourbon focused, but I was kind of doing plays on what's already being popular, like what's trending in TikTok and then kind of making it into something that's sort of has a bourbon connotation or connection to it. And then all of a sudden I started seeing more and more bourbon stuff on my feed. There's doing 60 second reviews. And then all of a sudden I see this other account come up and it was probably the most well done, well orchestrated, detailed history influenced TikTok account that I ever saw, which was Basement Rec House. And I was just blown away by how cool the content was. And as soon as I started thinking of what new ideas or what topics we want to have for this show, I said, we need to start talking about why should brands start paying attention to TikTok? And so today on the show, I have Logan and Mac Haynes, and they run the TikTok account of Basement Rickhouse. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks Thank for you. having us. Yeah. So Logan, go ahead and speak so people know your voice. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm Logan. All right. And Mac. Hi, I'm Mac. Okay, there we go. Now people will know. So before we kind of dive into all that and TikTok and everything like that, I want to just talk about your your bourbon journey at first, like kind of what got you into this and, and everything like that. And Logan, I'll kind of... Yeah, sure. I think like most people, you know, you start out with a family member that is into bourbon, drinks bourbon. Of course, that was 15 plus years ago for us. And, you know, like most people, we start out on Maker's Mark and, you know, some of the brands that you can find anywhere and everywhere. And and we lived in Western Kentucky and we moved to Central Kentucky. And, and in Central Kentucky, you really have two options for hobbies. You can be into horses or you can be into bourbon. And, and that's pretty much it. And our HOA wouldn't allow a horse. So we were like, <laughs> all right, well, we'll pick up the 
pick up the bourbon thing. And so we started doing the tours like everybody that lives here does and, and just really fell in love with the people, the passion, the history, the stories. And of course, you know, the, the drink wasn't too bad either. Right. And so um, as people would come to visit us because it was just us here, as far as family goes, we would take them to these tours and it got to be so redundant that we were like, well, this tour guide didn't mention this. And so we'd be in the background going, hey, here's a really cool story that you need to know and need to pay attention to. And so it, it just started to develop. And then 2015, after having been in the this part of the state for six or so years, five or six years, I had a buddy that worked at Buffalo Trace. And we were five miles from Buffalo Trace is where we live. He said, hey, they're, they're looking for tour guides, to which I was like, sounds fun. You know, I had a day job, still keeping that day job. But I said, yeah, I'll go down, you know, a couple days a month and volunteer and just do tours. And so I go for this this interview and they're like, oh no, we'll pay you. I'm like, <laughs> even better. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. And so started giving these tours and just telling the stories and, and just fell in love with the history of the product and the people behind it. And then, you know, again, my, my buddy being a couple steps ahead of me, he said, hey, there's this tasting panel. I'm like, wait, 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 a what? He said, yeah, they, they have us go in and they have us taste the product and, you know, you have to try out for it. Not everybody makes it. And I'm like, Yes, please. You know, even if I fail, I got to drink some cool stuff. And so try out. It's like a six month long process for the tasting panel. And I made it on. And so what I would do is, you know, in the mornings, I'd drop my kids off at, at daycare, our kids off at daycare and uh, made sure to do that first. And then I'd go to Buffalo. Probably the, probably the proper order. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> so, so then I'd go and, and drink at Buffalo Trace for an hour and then I'd go do my day job. And so, you know, which people ask, what's your day job? And I'd say, I'm an Uber driver. I'm not, but you know. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible though? Yeah. It, it would have a good story behind it. Yeah. But the day would go you by gotta, you gotta super quick. You got to blow out the whole thing to be able to turn on the yeah. engine every time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so work the day job and then a couple of days a month on the weekends, I'd give tours. And so, you know, again, just, just really fell in love with that and, and did that for five or six years. And, you know, then obviously COVID hit and it kind of changed what that looked like. And, and, um, so yeah, so that, that's what kind of got us, got me into bourbon. Well, here, Logan, I got a few questions to kind of unpack there real quick before we jump on over to Max. So I, I kind of want to go through this process of, well, first going through the tour guide thing, cause I'm imagining that you, you sort of get introduced through the process. You probably meet Freddie a few times and he shows you around and you're trying to just digest all this information. As you're going through, how do you keep learning new things every time that you're either giving tours or learning from other folks that are there at the distillery too? Yeah. Well, I, I don't want to say that I was an anomaly, but it was a little bit different for me than a lot. They, they do have a, a long period of time where, you know, as a new tour guide, you kind of follow other tour guides. But at that point, that was our closest distillery to where we lived. And we had had six years of taking people there. And so we had literally been on 50 tours, at least, of this distillery. And so... Especially when they're free, it makes it easy to go. Yeah. yeah. So easy. Yeah. So, so it wasn't like some of the others where, you know, every time you fork out, it's 20 bucks. Like Buffalo Trace was free, so it was great. So we always took people there. So I had a lot of those stories, but you're exactly right. In 2015, although that doesn't seem that long ago, the bourbon industry was more different than what it is even now, right? It was, you were starting to see that popularity. Visitors were starting to go to, to tours and things like that. But, you know, there were a lot of times it was a Sunday afternoon and it'd be raining and it'd be Freddie and I sitting there. And I'd just sit there and listen to him tell me stories that would either make me laugh, cry, or make me want to drink one or the other. And so, you know, that's kind of what developed you know, that, that love even, even deeper, because if you ever, if you know, Freddie, you know, his passion, his history and his love of bourbon. And that's why, you know, our motto is it's not about what you're drinking. It's about who you're drinking with. And that is a direct influence, you know, from him and those relationships that, that we built. I think he's established that he's cemented his place permanently in, in bourbon history and lore. That's for, absolutely that's oh, yeah. for damn sure. Now, the other thing I kind of want to touch on as well is, is the whole tasting panel idea. So, did you have to do like tongue push-ups every morning? Like, how do you train yourself to be able to like go and be like, oh, I'm going to be on a tasting panel and then you got to go to your day job. Like how, how does, how does that all work? Yeah. Well, so growing up, it, it was one of those things that my parents, I, I don't want to say they hated me, but they hated me at dinner time because I was a picky eater. And now I can look back and say, hey, mom, it's because I could taste things that you couldn't, you know, so. Mac and cheese, chicken nuggets. That's right. And cheeseburgers. So that's what I blame <laughs> it on, you know, but, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a training program that they put you through. 
on day one, they're having you test the five flavors. So sour, salty, sweet, bitter, and umami. And if you can't digest those, you know, not in a literal sense, but be able to, to differentiate what those are. And, and it'd be like 60 cups on a table. And they could be really strong, like McDonald's sweet tea strong to really weak, just to step above water. And you have to identify those literally on day one. And then from there, there's there's different age tests of, you know, put these products in order. It's an opaque glass, so you can't see color, but put them in order from youngest to oldest. Product differentiation, you know, identifying what, what specific brands are, types of whiskey. Because it wasn't just bourbon that we'd taste. We'd taste our rise. We'd taste all kinds of different products. Yeah. And so part of that process as well, you know, you'd mentioned when you're like, oh, I'm going to get paid to be in a tour guide. Did it feel like when you're doing this... I, I had no idea that this is like a part-time thing to be on a tasting panel. I thought this was, oh, you're full-time, like you're you're in the 401k plan, you've got health right. insurance. Yeah, you I had, had a no- background check. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and I think for some it is. I think some distilleries that that is, that is the model. With Buffalo Trace, the cool thing about it is they acknowledge that anybody can have a good palate. And so they encourage every employee that they've got, come try out for this tasting panel. You know, so you'll have bottle line technicians, you'll have a packaging engineer, you'll have somebody in archives, you'll have tour guides, you'll have all these people that will go and try out and do this. And and the cool thing about it is, and, and why we kind of do what we do, is they acknowledge that everybody's palate is different. Everybody picks up on different things. You know, some people are more sensitive to the earthy notes. Some people are more sensitive to the sweet notes and, and, and everything in between. And so they, they want that variance of palates. And so their key thing is, it's not tell us what you think is good. That's, that's not what we would do on a tasting panel. Because some things that I would taste, I, I enjoyed, but I would never buy a bottle of it. But other things, this is my absolute favorite bourbon. They, they used us to have consistency. You know, from between single barrels, you know, a lot of people in, in some brands really embrace that difference between single barrels, you know, but for, for your larger brands, they want consistency. When you buy a bottle of Blanton's and you buy another bottle of Blanton's, they, they want those to be similar, right? And so we would taste that consistency. And, and so, yeah, it was, it was part-time. They encouraged everybody to come out and it had to be 100% unanimous between the 20, 25 of us that are on the panel that the product was perfect, that it was what it was. One person could say, nope, it's not quite right. And then that would carry the same weight as if it were Harlem Wheatley going in there and saying, yep, this is perfect. And so they embraced that, which was really neat. And is this just for regular batches of Eagle Rare? Is it for special releases? Like kind of, is it the whole gamut? Anything and everything. So we would do marriage tests. They, you know, typically you'd walk in and there'd be a couple of round tables. You've seen, uh, you can Google Elmer T. Lee tasting and you'll see pictures of Elmer sitting at these round tables um, with 60 or so glasses set up. It was those same exact tables that we were sitting at and doing this. And and you just kind of go throughout the day. So some people, they, they you know, leave their station at the bottle line. They go taste for 45 minutes to an hour. And so you would do single barrel test. You'd have what was called the standard, which would be like the previous year's Blanton's or Van Winkle or whatever that product is that you're tasting. You just made a lot of people jealous right there. Yeah. With even both of those brands. I I bet he does. All right, here we go. And so all the way around that, there's about 60 other bottles and glasses set up. And each one of those bottles represent a different barrel. And so those barrels have been pulled, samples have been pulled from them. And what we, we would do is pick up, sniff the standard, taste the standard, and then we go all the way around saying, yep, that's right, yep, that's right, yep, that's right, nope, that's wrong. And when you say, nope, that's wrong, you rotate the bottle, make a note down of why it's different, and then that product would no longer become that that single barrel. So that would be the single barrels. And then you'd have marriage tests where, you know, you would kind of do a triangle test where two of the bottles would be, or two of the glasses would be the same exact thing. The third one would be different. And if you could tell which the third one was, then something was off. Something needed to be changed. And so you would do that with batches. We would taste, you know, the, the vodkas, the gins, you know, flavored moonshines, anything and everything. Oh, that's kind of like the best lab rat story that anybody's ever told. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. 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 It was, it was hard to leave for sure. I would think so. And so I also want to make sure to ever clear that you, you no longer are, are I do not. I, affiliated I still, or employed by them or anything like right. that. Right. So. I still love that distillery, still take people to that distillery, still love telling the stories of that distillery, but but no, we're we're doing our own thing now. Yeah, we'll get into that because a lot of your, your TikTok content's a lot of Buffalo Trace content sure. too, because you know a lot of it, but right. we'll, we'll get to that. So Mac, we'll, we'll, we'll ask you here. So kind of talk us about how you got into bourbon and whiskey and everything like that too. Yeah. So just what 
just what Logan was saying a little bit ago, you know, you've got that one family member that kind of pushes you. So bless his soul. That was his father-in-law. That was my dad. So my dad was a maker's man grow- for my entire growing up. And he had that, you know, that was the glass and that's what we were trying. And so that's where I got my start. Didn't really realize that there's much outside of Maker's Mark until I moved to Central Kentucky. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start taking this serious. I want to learn it. Put together my first blind tasting, I think in 2012 for a birthday party. Realized that I really liked trying to figure out the story behind the bottle. I liked learning about the different flavors of the bottle. And then I just want to learn as much as I could. We're both big history buffs. And there's so many good stories in this industry. There's so many good stories about the people that are behind everything. So I think what I started to notice was the more I got into the backstory, the more I liked the product. So that's where I got started, just researching brands, researching stories behind it. And then realized, I guess, I don't know, a few years ago, I had a decent palate. <laughs> I could start pulling things apart. Would he bring stuff home from like his no, learning? No, his learning? no, no. Not. Bring this it was home. not a bourbon high story. I meant, no. No. I meant bring it. I meant to say bring his, bring his learnings home and then yes. like make you do triangle tests and all. So they're yes, of stuff. Yeah. yes. I I definitely got put through the ringer on triangle tests for a couple of years, and it was it was so interesting to see how subtly different something could be and create a completely different product. And so, yes, I did get to learn a lot about triangle test. Um, I got to learn a lot about kind of marriaging different flavors together and what that will do. I love food. So I started kind of pulling together what what would citrus do to this? What would chocolate do to this? What would different smoked meats do to this? And so I started pulling together what food goes well together with these different beverages and how one bourbon goes great with chocolate and the other one just dies. Um, whenever you put those different flavors together. And so I loved doing those pieces and having those conversations. And then it just kind of kept growing from there where I started pulling together different flavors and palettes. While Logan was a tour guide, we had very young children and he was normally doing tours during nap time. So what I realized is if I push my kid around a bourbon distillery and they get that angel share, they sleep really good. <laughs> nice. So I got a lot of free tours during that time with sleeping babies, free drink at the end, some chocolate at the end. And occasionally, whenever there was not a very good group on the tour, I was the tour plant that would start laughing at the jokes. <laughs> and so... Uh, it worked. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was you so gotta, effective. Yeah. You got to have somebody in the crowd That's that right. kind of knows when yeah. to yep. do the applause. Yeah. That's so, right. you know, those groups that had already been to five other distilleries and got to Logan's and they weren't quite catching up on those jokes. I'd be like, ha, 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 ha. And they'd be like, <laughs> oh, that was funny. Yeah. And so, you know, occasionally doing that. And so getting to spend that time around him, getting this time around the other tour guides, the other people who were at Buffalo Trace for a while, and just really expanding on the stories. And that's what I got into. And so as we transitioned back in March, he quit working at the distillery and we were doing our own thing. That's, that's where kind of I found more and more of what I liked about it and kind of sharing those stories of the people. Specifically, finding the stories that aren't being told a lot, bringing those stories to light. That's kind of what I like to do. It's kind of what we do on this podcast. That's what we're here for. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. But I do love the pro-parenting tip over there to right? bring your kids to the distillery. Let them kind of just soak right. it in for a minute. And then yes. maybe the, the ride home will be a little bit more quiet. Oh, yeah. our kids know bourbon. So we live, you know, we live in Frankfurt. And so there's a couple of different shipping places around us. And so as one of the big trucks will pull out, hey, there's bourbon in that truck. I'm like, <laughs> yes, five-year-old, good job. All right, right. go to school. You, you nailed it. Else. You nailed it. <laughs> What, what's really bad is when, you know, they've got their glass of juice and they start doing this. They like, start what, swirling. Yeah, what, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Nosing it. Yeah, swirl, swirling my, my drink. It's okay. good. Yeah, don't do that at school. Yeah. Hints of Hawaiian punch. <laughs> <That's right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing to be able to understand that because I, I love being able to hear your your backstory and understand how you love the history, love finding these ways to be able to tell stories. And I think that's really what's going to guide this conversation of, of how you're able to do that. So I want to kind of talk about first is how you found TikTok and why did you make that the platform of your choice? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner. 
that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So I want to kind of talk about first is how you found TikTok and why did you make that the platform of your choice? Yeah. So I was a, I was a builder in Western Kentucky. I was a contractor, built homes and, and did remodeling and, and moved to central Kentucky, got away from that aspect of the business, but was always in the home improvement industry, working for various companies and, and representing products and things like that. And, and still always had that urge to build and to create and take a pile of lumber and turn it into something awesome. You know, still always had that desire. And so we had a, had a home and our bourbon collection was set in a, a curio cabinet. Like that's, that's where it was in, in our China cabinet. That's how it always starts. And it, it, it got uh-huh. to, it got to grow a little bit beyond that. And so we, we had our second child and we were wanting some more room. And so we, we found this house that great house, you know, love the, love the house. But as we return it, we walked downstairs and, and saw the basement. And, you know, in my mind, being the creative person that, that I like to be, I saw and every this, man, by the way, also has this vision. I they, saw they go this walk completed to the project. Yes. You know, <laughs> but saw, he can do it. That's yeah, the yeah. Nice part. I saw this completed project. And I'm like, all right, here, you know, these big 12 foot ceilings in a basement, which was really cool. Um, I'm like, all right, here's the bar. And then here's, here's where I can build this Rick house because working for Buffalo Trace, I loved walking in warehouse C, which anytime you Google bourbon in Kentucky, it, Almost nine times out of 10, it's warehouse C that you see a picture of. It's this 1885 warehouse that you walk in and just looking at a picture, you can smell it, right? And so I never got tired of walking in that warehouse and I wanted to create that in my home. And so in my mind, we're touring this house and, and I see the bar and I see a Rick house next to it. I'm like, but but we both don't see that. <laughs> we, like, we both don't know that part. Absolutely clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bar was definitely clear on both of us. The, the warehouse C replica, eh, not aware. So I'm good at building around. things. Communication may not be the strongest. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we bought the house and, you know, immediately started going to work and, and, you know, built the, built the bar, you know, these cool, very similar to what you got, you know, kind of pipe shelving, very rustic, um, copper looking countertop. Of course, Chip and Joanna Gaines will be proud. There's some ship lab involved. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, and so got this done and I, right next to it, I painted the wall black. And she's like, the rest of the room is gray. What are you, what are you doing? I'm like, Rick house. She's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, no, that's a, that's going to be a Rick house. And so drew it up, had these plans, sourced some barrels that, that were empty. Um, so don't call me Netflix. I um, mean, if they weren't, we'll figure it out later. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> so, so these empty barrels and figured out how to cut a barrel in half and hang a round barrel on a flat wall, you know, so figured that out and, and built this Rick house. And so that's how we got to become probably a lot of sanding involved to yeah. just get, just get that flat surface. Correct. A lot of sanding and bourbon for yeah. sure. So, so as, as I was building it, I was posting pictures on a bourbon Facebook group and people were commenting saying, man, that looks really cool. Tell me how you did it. You got to start a TikTok. You got to start an Instagram. And I'm like, to what you said, I'm, I'm not a dancing teenager. I know nothing about TikTok or really Instagram. Like I've got it, but I've never posted a picture. So 
got the bar done and we were hosting a mixology class for some of our friends. We had 15, 20 people down, hired a mixologist to come in and, and show people how to make a few cocktails. And so it looked really cool. Had glasses set up, had some cocktail tables set up down there. And I filmed one video just walking down the, uh, the stairs and just panning the bar. And the way TikTok works, if you're not on TikTok, is, you know, a lot of times you reuse people's sounds. So they'll film a video and you can strip the sound from it and and kind of do your video over top of it. And at that time, it, it helps if you find whatever is viral and, and do that. So I figured out this sound that I had seen a few videos on. And it's, you know, everybody has that one thing in their house that everybody thinks is super cool. And, then, you know, could be an airplane, could be, you know, whatever the list is. And so that's the sound I use. So you didn't see either one of us in this video. You didn't hear either one of our voices. It was just walk down the basement, pan the bar, and the video was in. And I posted it. I didn't tell her about it. I didn't do anything. I just posted it and planned to forget about it of, I, I sufficed the request of, I started a TikTok and posted a video. And you put the video back in the Facebook group to yeah. make all of them happy. Put the link. And and again, that that was my one and done. And the next morning I remembered I wonder how that TikTok video did. I woke up and it had 100,000 hits on it. I'm like, huh. Yeah. Well, that was kind of cool, you know. Maybe. Hopefully this isn't a one-hit wonder sort of thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So so at that point, the endorphins kind of started kicking in because I had left Buffalo Trace a couple months before. Again, you know, I still love the distillery. It was COVID kind of changed the, the fun of it. I, of course, it's back now and it's doing great. But I still had that urge to tell the story. And so because I had a lot of stories, I was like, well, let's see what a story could look like. And at that point, you know, the longest video you could do was, was 59 seconds, minute long videos. That was it. So I'm like, all right, well, how can I condense any of these stories down into a one minute video? And I just gave it a shot and started telling some little one minute snippet stories. And then, you know, we got to enough followers where we could do a three minute story and started doing three minute stories and it just took off. People started really liking it. You know, we... we there's a thousand people, even on TikTok, that do reviews. We weren't going to be a review channel. You know, we wanted to stick with the stories. You know, having done some marketing and at different aspects of my career, you know, I wanted to find something that set us apart, something that made us a little bit different, figure out who our target was. And certainly our target was people that enjoy bourbon, but we also want to highlight and, and bring in people that don't know anything about bourbon, that don't like bourbon and kind of bring them into the industry. And so, you know, she's seeing this, she's seeing, you know, what I'm doing on TikTok and, you know, she's got a great speaking voice, does a lot of public speaking and, and loves bourbon. So, hey, why, why don't you do one? And so that's when she got into it as well. Yeah. And so just to speak to that storytelling, just what I was saying, what got me into bourbon was the stories, the stories of the people and the places. And so we knew that we we wanted to be able to tell stories that people who liked stories could get into, not just our target was not just bourbon people. It was anybody who likes a good story. And so that was what we started writing all of our scripts on and thinking through the stories, what would appeal to anyone, anyone who likes a story, anyone who likes history, anyone who likes culture, what would they want to hear? What would they want to see? And so that's what we started building. And then I got, like I said, into the stories and finding these stories. And so we would research, we would find friends that worked at history museums or had some really interesting story that no one had told yet. And so we'd start diving into those, learning about those, researching them, and then started telling those stories. And, and she started, you know, highlighting the women in whiskey. And, you know, the untold stories of there, obviously, I think the first one was was Marianne Eves. And you know, a lot of people know her story, obviously, and, and kind of got to highlight that, but then branched out from us in the bourbon industry, we recognize some of these names, but people outside of that may see, all right, well, we've watched the movie Neat. But Marianne must be the only one that the only one, with, the only one of all yeah, the whiskey, the right? only, She's woman, the only that's woman out there. <laughs> and, and, and we know that that's not necessarily true. So, you know, we started you know, highlighting Peggy No Stevens and Alex Castle and, and all these other amazing women and, and palettes that are in the industry. And, you know, having worked in tasting, I, I know that typically you were probably dominated in there. Well, a, a woman typically has a better palate than a man does. And so for us to just say, well, this is a man's thing is not at all true. And so, you know, Matt got to kind of highlight a lot of that, which was really cool. That's what I wanted people to understand. It's like the one thing that I really love, because it's like reviews. Anybody can get on there and go, hey, bourbon TikTok, I'm gonna get a review of Russell's Reserve today. Like anybody can do that. But what I love about what you all, and I think that's what our listeners would appreciate is that we try to find those stories. We try to find the personalities. We try to find something that you come away educated at the end of the day and, and you learn something. And granted, we only started doing reviews only because people started asking for them. That's the only reason we started doing it. 
our goal was never to do reviews. That was not, it wasn't even, it wasn't even on the radar for us, but that's how it happened. Heck, it might happen for you all too in the future too. Who knows? Don't never say never, but that's, that's what I want to get my listeners to understand or it's just to go, if you've never been on TikTok, at least go follow us and also follow Basement Rickhouse only because you you get an education. It's a learning process. It's not just another channel that's going to just go ahead and just feed you content. You're like, I don't know who this person is. What are they, what are they reviewing? Who are these people? But instead, it's, it's an experience. It's a story. It's learning about something. So that is, I, I, like I said, I really love about that. Now, the other part about it is I want to kind of focus, you do a lot of things with the, the background too. It's like, you focus on the the basement Rick house sort of portion and you really talk about the story. So I think that, do you feel that one of the things that really attracts a lot of the watchers is because they see the background they're like, Oh, what the heck, what the heck do they have going on back there? Oh yeah. Yeah. I I think that was certainly a a portion of it. I think it was 2019. There was a study done that talked about adults attention span. Um, (laughs) It's getting worse, isn't it? Right. At one point, the last study, it was like 12 seconds. I think in 2019 they came out, it was eight seconds. Adult, a squirrel is also eight seconds, by the way. So an adult has an eight second attention span. So as creators, we have to figure out how to reinvite them and, and gain their interest every eight seconds. And so the beauty of a TikTok is that it's not going to be any longer than three minutes. And so you have that capability of not rushing through a story, but putting a lot of information in that, that draws that listener, that viewer in that frequently. So utilizing the basement as a background certainly helps that because, you know, we'll, if you ever saw the background of us, you know, the behind the scenes of us filming one of these, it, we, we look like little lemmings where, you know, let's start filming a video here. No, no, no. Let's move over by the couch. You know, let's move behind the bar, you know, so we look sporadic. Um, but that's what you have to do. But you, you have, have to, to do, do that, that. to it's gotta, change It's got to be that, quick cuts and yeah, all sorts of You have stuff. to change that background. And obviously it makes it easier as we're telling stories because we don't necessarily use a teleprompter and things like that. We have an outline of what we, what we want to do and what we want to say. But if you change every six or seven seconds, it's a couple sentences at a time and you can kind of cut and edit and make it sound like it, it flows pretty well. So, you know, we utilize that, the background to kind of help draw that attention it's a big attractor so it's a big attractor that's what i think what i first noticed about about that as well so uh, no the other kind of thing i want to start talking about is why brands should start paying attention to tiktok because i've only seen maybe two three like rabbit hole penelope Mm -hmm. us maybe to a degree like it seems like that's a market that is yet to really dive into it what do you think is the hesitation at this point because i start seeing the demographic is starting to skew immensely it's no longer just teenagers that are dancing and you can and you can make the algorithm kind of focus on what you want because you can say i'm not interested in this or block these kind of videos or like certain videos and that's what's going to continually make your feed more tailored to you so kind of talk about you know what tiktok is and and why do we not see more brands kind of coming on board well i think you know the change is hard and trying something new is really difficult, right? Especially for all of us who already had TikTok in our mind as that's for dancing teenagers, but it's not. And so they're the fastest growing demographic are people over the age of 30. However, a huge demographic are those Gen Zs who are now 21, who are now graduating from college and who are having that disposable income. So that's, they are on TikTok. So that is the number one reason that brands should be doing something there. But they're still not quite sure how to do it. And they're not sure how to be interesting, right? Because that's very on TikTok, it's, it's you hard. have to be interesting. Mm-hmm. If you would be like flaming Cheetos, you got to buy some crazy ad promotion. You got to right. get all this sort of stuff. And, it's, and it doesn't always work out. Right. Yeah. And with the algorithm that's going on right now in bourbon TikTok, it's as you see things and they come up more often and often. And so we're seeing when we go long times without putting some piece of content out there, sometimes we have a struggle to get a video. But if we can do two in a week, then the algorithm is rewarding us for it. Right. And so I think the brands are a little nervous. How am I going to stay interesting enough that often to Mm -hmm. get on there? But short form video is the number one trend in all marketing right now. And so if they can find a way to do those snippets, it's going to be rewarding and and the algorithm will reward them for doing it for sure. And I think that's the the craziest thing about it is, you know, there's a stigma behind TikTok. You know, to your point, it's it's dancing teenagers and it's it's, you know, Vine. It's it's the new version of Vine is what so many people think it is. And and while there are certainly those components to it, 
there's so much more to TikTok. And this algorithm thing, I, I don't know how TikTok does it. It is absolutely insane because when you first log on, if you're a distillery and you're first getting into it and you go, all right, well, let's see what this TikTok thing's about. You scroll through the first 15 videos. Yeah, it looks crazy. Yeah. And you'd be like, well, I don't think we need our brand associated with these girls that are showing everything off and all right. that kind of stuff too. But once you start, you know, utilizing search and say, all right, well, let's see what bourbon stuff is out here. And you start interacting with those videos. And, and when I say interacting, the way TikTok's algorithms work, it's not just, all right, I liked it and I shared it. Certainly that that counts and that's you know significant when it comes to the weight of the algorithm, but it will watch and say, all right, you've watched 60% of this video, so you must like it. Or you've watched, you know, you scrolled past it in the first three seconds, so we're not going to show you as much of that. So so it, it adjusts to you. And so, you know, we're at the point now where like we, to what you said earlier, we see bourbon stuff, I see some barbecue stuff and, and that's pretty much it. We don't see the dancing teenagers and, and, you know, the people falling off roofs and, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I still get the people falling off roofs every once in a while. I got I got to get my jackass fixed every once in a while. Right. Too. Yeah. And, and, well, and the, and the crazy thing about it too, is we see it some on Instagram, you know, we're, we're newer to Instagram. We're just kind of growing there a little bit. There is a community component. You know, there, there are the people of Instagram that yeah, everybody... That's, that's kind of been recently built as, as well. I've noticed over the past probably six months that yeah. it's all this, hey, bourbon TikTok and blah, blah, blah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. And so TikTok, it's it's even more so. I mean, there's we were on there three weeks and a group of guys reached out and said, hey, we're, we're with bourbon TikTok. I'm like, there's like a division <laughs> called bourbon TikTok. What is this? You have, like, to, have to pay monthly dues? Yeah. Is this a thing? We want to come visit the, the basement. I'm like, Okay, sure. You know, and so that was three weeks into our adventure on TikTok. And so there is a communal aspect of it. There are uh, meetups that just people on this app getting together. And, and you know, we know some people that have built really close friendships. We've built some good friendships on there as well of, of you know, people have two things in common, bourbon and TikTok and differences be damned, you know, outside of that. I think the funny thing is whenever my wife tries to show me a funny video on Reels, or Facebook, I go, I've already seen that. That was on TikTok yeah, like was, three days ago. Yeah, that, like, that's old, old yeah, news. I know. And, Catch up. But I think that's that That kind of just shows the the virality factor of what TikTok is, is yeah. that right. other platforms have to regurgitate that information to be able to make it appealing to their audience. And so everybody isn't realizing that all the funny videos that you're seeing on Reels and Facebook all originate on TikTok. Right. Very, very rare is it going to be something that is just like a reels only special or something right. like that. And and people like I know we're we're all doing the same exact thing. We'll film something in TikTok and then we'll go and share it in reels or right. we'll go and share it with something else because we want to take advantage of basically their algorithm because right now they push a lot of stuff with reels and mm -hmm. short form video to be able to kind of boost it up because they know that is what is hot right now. Right. And back to the idea of, of why brands should start paying attention. I think that this is if you're not getting into it now, you're going to be too late because oh, what, what's going to happen is that if you're going to go and you're going to start a brand and granted, let's say it's uh, wild turkey, we'll say it's Buffalo Trace, we'll say it's whatever. If you're not posting or you're not trying to build a community, you're going to get it left behind. I remember the days of starting Instagram. Actually, I said I started Twitter and then we're like, ah, I'm not going to do Instagram. Like, it's just pictures. Like, who wants to scroll and look through pictures? Well, I was late to the bus on that one, but I finally got into it and we started building our following. And so that's what I felt when I said, I'm not going to miss the boat on TikTok. And so that is one of the things that I feel that brands are going to start missing this boat if they're not taking advantage of it, or at least you're not creating your account. You're not figuring out what you can do or how we can interact. I listen to Gary Vee a lot, and he always talks about how TikTok and LinkedIn are really the two platforms where you can get a lot of organic reach right now. We yes. don't have to pay a lot of money. And, and I also should mention that we're thinking, I know Barrel, Barrel Bourbon does some stuff on TikTok as well. But it's one of those things that you have to be able to figure out how do we showcase our brand, but also showcase it in a positive way. I think we're in a little bit of a unique situation where we don't have to really focus on the brand and we could just have fun with it. Right. And we don't have to just show, here's a bottling line. You know, it's like you have to figure out, like, how do right. we make it interesting and, and that consumers want to figure out more? Because at some point, we will dry up of the conversation that says, oh, this is what a bourbon mash goes in. This is what it looks like going right. through the still. You're just going to, those videos yeah. are going to be overdone. Yeah. Tell us something that we don't know or show something that we haven't seen in the last 10 videos. Or do what you said earlier, community. That's what the brands need to be thinking about is how can they build community on this? Because that's what, that's what bourbon TikTok is. And I think that's one of the things that helped us grow so quickly is 
yes, we had some really nice content, but we also had some people that were supporting us really quickly. And we had people commenting us and tagging us in things that were relevant. And so if the brands, when they're jumping on TikTok, form the community part of it, that is what's going to make it. They don't have to create crazy content all the time. If they've got community, they've got people tagging them on things or creating content for them, then that is the community piece is what's going to make them be super effective on that brand, on that, um, on TikTok. Well, and people that, that are on Bourbon TikTok that see a brand on there, I mean, th- those brands are rock stars. You know, they, they, they'll say, oh, look, hey, rabbit hole is following me. I've seen a ton of videos where it's just a screenshot and it's a follower, you know, rabbit hole is following me, you know, Penelope is following me. How cool is that? And so, you know, that the community latches on to whatever distillery is on there. There was one on there that had Buffalo Trace as the, as the username, had a picture of Buffalo Trace. I looked at it and saw the slogan. I'm like, that's not Buffalo Trace. <laughs> I remember that. I remember the early days of, of somebody following me from Buffalo Trace and I was like, oh, welcome to the game. But I guess it yeah, wasn't them. Not oh, them. No. Not them. So, you know, and, and watching that. Now people, somebody has to pay to get that username back is what's, what's going to end up right, being, right? Exactly right. What's it's called happen. domain squatting. Yeah, Somebody's no going to have to own it. But, you know, that, that user had never posted a single video. They, they just followed people and they amassed a ton of followers just by having their username on there without any content. Um, and so to that point, you know, the, these, these distilleries are rock stars on there. So being able to be on there and build that community just with a follow is effective. You know, there's some distilleries out West that are posting some, some videos and, and they're small. I mean, they're, they're, you know, a couple barrels a week on a good week, uh, but they're getting a ton of followers. So, you know, you're at that point now where you need to jump on it now if you're going to jump on it, because in six months, I think it'll be too late. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And there's also the idea of like the micro influencer of what it can be to a, a brand, because there's a lot of bloggers out there. Like the amount of bloggers that compare to TikTok creators is I, it's like one to a million. Like there's there's no shortage of it. But you go and you put a blog out there. Sure, you're going to get some Google hits. You're going to get some SEO. You might get 500 to a thousand page views because that's the bourbon community that's going to go and they're going to go and see it. And it's only hot for that maybe a little bit and maybe it has some residual views. However, if you're able to capture a little bit of that, those those people that are in the, the bourbon TikTok community that have a couple thousand followers that have maybe tens of thousands of followers, that is still kind of like early stage for a lot of those people inside of there. And they're, if you're able to get a review in front of that and if the algorithm likes it, like you're going to get 20,000 views in a span of what, 72 hours. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I think you're able to really capitalize that in a short period of time. And I think that's one of the things that's really missing that a lot of brands don't see is that the way that the algorithm can, can really boost something out of nowhere can be a huge sort of lifesaver. If, if you've never done anything before, you want to figure out how do we get our brand in front of a, a and I think that's the other thing is Mac, you'd mentioned before, it's an ever changing demographic. It's a, it's a younger audience. We have so many reports coming out that talking about Gen Z basically being, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out, oh, it's the white claw generation. Well, we have a chance to influence that, right? Yes. Not everybody's going to be a, right. a, the white claw generation. It's it's the party drink for now, but we all weren't drinking, you know, bourbon need at parties back in Definitely college not. either, right? So you have the chance to influence that. You have the chance to get your brand in front of that, that new demographic here. So I feel that that's going to be a, a changing shift here in the next few years too. And from a strategy standpoint, when you're in a marketing department, you're not paying for views, you're paying for engagement. You want a viewer to like, you want them to share, you want them to comment, you want them to do something like that. And TikTok right now, as of today, has the strongest engagement rate of any platform out there. And so for that reason alone, it's worth being on there. And that's also the reason that you're seeing reels on Instagram. TikTok made that mode. YouTube has YouTube shorts now. To, to try to catch up with with TikTok. So, you know, there's a reason that the the big guys on the block are trying to do what TikTok is doing because TikTok is is taking over. All right. Now let's do the next segment. Share your secrets. So what do you all do <laughs> that that kind of make your videos go a little bit more viral? What have you found that has has been something that that continually works time and time again? And I also want to give a shout out because you also do a very good job of kind of doing these cuts, like bringing in some like movie scenes sometimes, bringing in pictures, doing some pans, like kind of talk about that too. Yeah. It, uh, again, it goes back to first the content, you know, we want to do something that you haven't seen that you've something that you haven't seen on TikTok today. 
you know, if you've scrolled through 100 videos, which is easy to do on TikTok. <laughs> you can do that in about mm, 30 minutes yeah, if you right, really want to. Right. So we want to do something that you haven't scrolled past. So it starts with the content. So we want to find a good story. We want to find something that you haven't seen, something that you're not going to necessarily find at a tour on a distillery, something unique. Um, and, and then from there, obviously, the, the editing, re-engaging um, that viewer every eight seconds you know, was done through not only the story, but through the visuals of that app. And then outside of that, from when you post it, if you post something at two o'clock on a, on a Monday in the afternoon, you're, you're dead. Because the way right now, and it changes all the time, the way TikTok's algorithm works, they're going to roll your video out to 100 people. And if you have a good engagement rate with those 100 people, then they'll roll it out to 2,000 people. And if that 2,000 like it, it likes it, and then, then they'll push it out to what's called the For You page, which is if you're, you know, Joe in Washington, you've never seen bourbon, but you're scrolling through the For You page, that video will pop up. And that's how it goes viral. And then those people that aren't in your segment, aren't following on, on, uh, on bourbon TikTok, see that and share it. And so that's that's kind of how we try to target someone that doesn't know bourbon, doesn't like bourbon. We want to get them to enjoy it. And so that's for us, that's been the key to success. Now, there are a lot of views uh, that that people will uh, will get that you know are the stupidest thing in the world and go, I spent eight hours editing a video and you just you know put a Cheeto inside of your bourbon and you got a million hits, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, it. It it's not the only model for success, but it's worked for us so far. Yeah, you'd be amazed to kind of see what kind of like five second videos are just those ones people like to see. It's just dumb stuff sometimes, but that's okay. Like I think that's what makes the 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 app great is that you can right. And that's what I always thought about me is that I like to have TikTok as sort of that sort of creative release, and so I still like to see what's trending. I still like to see what's very popular out there because you you kind of it's not all just like I don't follow fashion influencers on Instagram or anything like that right but I know there are people that are but it's just one of those things that I, I need some of that that spontaneity that kind of creative mix to kind of see exactly like what else is happening out there and of course some other kind of like funny jackass moments at the same right. time too right yeah well and our, our the way we tell stories I doubt many of your listeners will remember Paul Harvey, but if you remember Paul, Paul Harvey was one of my heroes growing up. You know, my dad on the job site would plan his day around Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey would tell a story at lunchtime and not tell you who the story's about. We're, we're talking about Theodore and here's what all Theodore did. And then you have to tune back in at three o'clock and hear what was called the rest of the story. And the rest of the story would reveal who that crazy story was about. And you realize, well, Theodore was Teddy Roosevelt. And so, you know, and he would end it and say, well, now you know the rest of the story. And so that that mode of storytelling was super impactful. That's what made Paul Harvey was was how he told a story. Mike Rowe now uh, from Dirty Jobs has picked that level of storytelling up. And so we tried to kind of bring some of that to TikTok of, you know, here here was this enslaved man that really was the the face behind this reverend's whiskey making and and next thing you know this reverend hires this this young kid as an apprentice and then at the end you realize oh that young kid was Jack Daniel and and the enslaved man was Uncle Nearest and and you know so you kind of unveil the story and that's that's one way to get them to stay to the end of the video when you you're talking about here's you here's find the that story hook. you got to get the hook at the yeah. very beginning and so you know that was a super impactful video we did another one we were talking about this brand that that, uh, you know, in the mid 80s, 70s, the, the bourbon industry was dead. Nobody was buying it. Everybody was buying the clear stuff, the gins, the vodkas, the mixers. Uh, but bourbon at that time, the, the king was Wild Turkey 101. And that's the only thing that people were buying. And so Chuck Beam, who was the master distiller at Four Roses, said, well, we need to we need to fix that. We need to come up with a product that can rival Wild Turkey 101. So he took a page out of history's folklore and in, in the fact that, you know, Ben Franklin wanted the turkey to be the national bird. We know that it wound up being the eagle. And so Chuck Beam, yes, that same Beam family, but working for Four Roses said, well, we need to do something with the eagle. And he came out with Eagle Rare 101 to combat with that. And so stories like that, that you don't unveil till the end, uh, that, that anybody that has walked through a liquor store goes, yeah, I know, I know what that Eagle Rare bottle is. I've never had it, but I know what it is. And kind of, you know, bringing them into that story. And see, those are the things that, even when I watch your videos, 
I still come away. I'm like, Jesus, like I've been doing bourbon now for seven years in this podcast. I'm still learning stuff when I watch your, your content. So I think that's the, the great part is that I'm continuing learning, but I also want to throw it back at you is like, how are you, how much research are you still putting into some of this? Cause you did a lot of stuff with Buffalo trace right. and you know, a lot of stuff there, but how are you able to start picking apart like all the other places that are doing a lot of stuff in bourbon history and, and telling that story and God forbid, hope you get something, you know, you don't want to get anything wrong either. Right. I mean, we haven't turned our TV on probably in six months. So, <laughs> you know, outside of the Super Bowl, we, we, we don't, you know, we, this is our hobby, right? This is what we're passionate about. This is what we have fun researching. And really it's, it's, here's a story. Here's something that sounds like folklore. And then you just kind of go down the rabbit hole of, well, no, this this wound up being fake. So, all right, well, now we can't tell the story. So, if we can, we try Another to find... Another Ezra Brooks. Here we go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, if we can, we try to find old newspaper articles. So, like, we did one that was the best bourbon heist of all time. And it wasn't the Netflix bourbon heist. You know, it was the night before Prohibition where George Garvin Brown's son, who was the president of Brown Foreman, he and, and you know, a few other small distilleries banded together, bought a ship, and the night before Prohibition went into effect, they loaded 30,000 barrels onto this uh, onto this ship and shipped it off to France. Because if they left it here, they were going to have to pay taxes, they were going to have to pay fines, or they're going to have to dump it in the gutter, right? So those were their three options. And so they avoided that by shipping 30,000 uh, barrels. And so we found this old newspaper article from, you know, 1920 that said 30,000 barrels of bourbon face, uh, safely domiciled in France. And so we pulled pictures from that. We pulled some of the story and and made it fun and and made it sound like it was this very dramatic bourbon heist. And and I'm sure to them, it lo- was loading thirty thousand barrels onto a ship in, in the, the cover of, the of darkness. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was, was like was that pretty sounds, dramatic. It sounds like it would it would take a few hours to load thirty thirty k worth of couple. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it's something that can be turned into a movie, like yeah, that's a story worth telling. You know. But then cross-referencing and make sure it's it's factual and true. And then, you know, we'll run it by the distillery. You know, if we've got a relationship with the distillery, which we try to build relationships with all of them, we'll send it to them say, hey, here's here's what we're thinking about doing. You know, what, what do you think about this? And they'll go, yep, that's right. Or, nope, you got this part wrong. You need to adjust it. So we, we try to be true to the distillery as well. Mm. Or they'll say, well, we, we can't talk about this one. I'm like, okay, cool. But we, but we will? Yeah. Is, we, that, is that kind of the thing? It's on a couple of times. Well, I, I mean, Not often. Yeah. But no, every it, now and then. If it's a distillery that is not a jerk, uh, you know, <laughs> which which very few are, you know, we'll we'll be respectful to them. Uh, which, yeah, you know, if if they don't want us to tell a story, we won't. You know, if we also won't do negative stories um, that will shed a bad light on a distillery, because these are partnerships that we want to create and and you know stories that we want to tell. And having worked at a distillery, it, it, it's one of the reasons that I don't do reviews because I'll be honest on a review. I'm trained to to do reviews, right? But if I don't like something, I'm going to tell you, I, yeah, I don't like it. But to me, I see a bottle line technician. I see the security guard in the parking lot that, you know, they listen to some guy that has any sort of following on the internet at all. And they go, well, Hey, you know what? Logan says that this isn't any good, so I'm not going to pick it up off the shelf. Well, that impacts all of those people down the line. And so I just won't do it, you know? And, and, but that being said, I also will try to tell that distillery story. If I don't like their whiskey, I'll tell their story because somebody will like their whiskey. No, I love it. I love it. Cause it's, it's what people need. People need that storytelling and they need to be able to find the history and, and find the connection to that brand. And I think that's really what you all help establish as well. So that's really awesome. I, and honestly, I think that any brand that wants to go ahead and find somebody that can tell a story and you don't have a following, go ahead and get hooked up with you all because you all can help make that happen for them as well. Well, and what's cool is we can tell stories that they might not be able to, you know, Castle and Key, right? They have strong ties to Colonel E.H. Taylor. You still see it. When you go to Castle and Key, you still see the old Taylor distillery sign above the castle, right? But old Taylor belongs to Sazerac, which is Buffalo Trace. And so they can't really capitalize on that. Well, Castle and Key doesn't pay us a dime. You know, neither does Buffalo Trace. They don't pay us a dime to tell to tell any of their stories. So we're able to kind of bleed those stories together in a way that they can't with Maker's Mark and the connection with old Fitzgerald and Pappy Van Winkle. And, and, you know, we can kind of tell stories that some of these distilleries can't because it's just us doing it. I love it. Well, hopefully you'll get some of that residual TikTok creator fund that can flow into and help you All help you tell the sense of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You need, you need the, the, the real viral videos and millions of influencers to actually make money off of that. But, you know, this was a fantastic conversation with both you, Logan and Mac, to be able to talk about your story and, 
bring about talk about TikTok. I, I think this is one of the platforms that is is ripe for disruption and it's going to take a, a little bit for some brands to get on board just because they have to figure it out. They just don't know what's going to make them special, what's going to help set them apart. But you've got to look at other brands that are doing it already. I mean, you've seen Lay's, you've seen Cheetos, you've seen all kinds of people that are trying to do things. And it's just going to be, it's not going to be long, but everybody's going to be on it. It's just the way it's going to yeah, be. 100%. Absolutely. Yep. So before we sign off, I'll let people, you know, give a shout out. Where can they follow you? Where can they learn out more about you as well? Yeah, basement uh, underscore Rickhouse on TikTok, Instagram. Also find us on our website, basementrickhouse.com. There we go. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. Make sure you follow them on TikTok as well as Instagram. Make sure you follow us on TikTok and Instagram as well. We also need the, always more followers, always trying to put out. I'm not as good as creating the 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 history and the historical kind of content. Again, I just try to have this more like creative release of, all right, what's trending and how can I switch this up a little bit right. to have some oh, fun yeah. with it. But gotta do it. everybody's got to have a little fun with that. But again, make sure you do that. Also share this podcast with a friend. Maybe they're getting into TikTok. Maybe they maybe they haven't even heard of TikTok and they're like, hey, I need to, you need to go and check this sort of thing out. Make sure you share it with them as well. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>